You may remember, for any that weren't here, I talked last week about a lady that I saw over outside the news agents recently, and she was sitting scratching a lottery ticket, and she didn't look the best. She didn't look the healthiest. She was a bit disheveled looking, and as I watched her, she was scratching that lottery ticket in the cold, out in the dark, like her life depended on it. And that's what just got me thinking. I thought, you know, how is this woman living her life? Is she thriving? Or is she just surviving? And you know, we asked the question last week, how many people do we know that are just existing through life? They're not living the abundant life that Jesus came to give. And as we talked about that, we talked about the fact that it's, you know, sometimes we can say that it's unbelievers. You know, we can say, oh, the, the world out there, sure, they're not living at all. But there, it's so sad that there are so many Christians who maybe are coming to church every Sunday, but they're just barely getting through every day. They're barely existing through, dragging themselves through life until they can get back under the duvet again at night. And, you know, we talked about how that's not what God wants. Amen. That's not what God wants. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us life, the Bible says in John 10, 10 and life more abundantly. And we looked at it in the Passion Translation, and it says a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. We wanted a piece of that last week, amen? More than, everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness, until you overflow. God doesn't want us to merely exist, amen? He wants us to live. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to live an abundant life. And we looked at the dictionary, the English dictionary, and other words for abundant were um, abound, healthily, plentiful, generous, handsomely, lavish. That's how God wants us to live, amen? He wants us to abound healthily and generously and handsomely and then we looked at it in the Greek, the abundant, the word abundant in Greek, and it's actually abundant life in the Greek is the zoe life. And we discovered that the zoe life is actually the kind of life that God lives himself, the kind of life that God himself lives, the God kind of life. And God came, Jesus came to give us the God kind of life. The Zoe kind of life is the highest, it's the highest form of life that you can live. It's the God kind of life, the kind of life that God lives himself. And Jesus came to give us that life. That's how we as believers in God should be living, amen? That's how we should be living because Jesus came that we might have the Zoe life, that we might have the God kind of life, that we, that's you and me, amen, could live the kind of life that God himself has. And what is that kind of life? What is the God kind of life, the God manner of life? Well, it's a life that consists of joy and peace and authority and power and prosperity and health with no need and no lack. Amen. And God doesn't want us to go through this life defeated. That's not a good witness to living the God kind of life if we're defeated and beaten down. God wants us to live peaceful lives. He wants us to live lives full of joy and good health, prosperity with no need and no lack. He wants us to use the power and authority that he came to give us. Jesus said, I am, I am come that you might have life. I am come that you might have the same manner of life as God does. 
And you know, we talked last week about when Jesus was here on earth, he manifested the abundant life. He was able to sleep in peace on a boat while the storm raged around him. Do you remember that? And then when, this was in Mark chapter 4, and then when the, um, the disciples woke him, he just spoke to the wind and he spoke to the waves and the storm stopped. You know, and we said last week that Jesus manifested that God kind of life because as we said last week, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. And we're inclined to gloss over that scripture and we don't want to read the first half, we just want to read about the abundant life. But you know, it's a fact of life. We have an enemy and he wants to steal from us. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to take your joy. And he wants to put down any notion that you might have, that you have power and authority over him. You have power over him. Did you know that? You have authority over him. The thing about it is, and the sad fact about it is, he knows that you have power over him. He knows that you have authority over him. But a lot of the times, you don't know, <laughs> amen? And that's the sad thing. You do have power, you do have authority. You have power over the tricks of the enemy and over his ways. Jesus came to give you that power and authority. <laughs> And then, you know, I've kind of just jumped through my notes here because, you know, I know this. But he came to, Jesus. when Jesus came, he showed us. He showed us that we can have peace. He showed us that we can use that power and authority. And, you know, we don't have to live in lack. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live without good health. And, you know, because he said in John 14, 12, remember, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. So you can do the same mighty miracles that Jesus did. If Jesus calmed the wind, then you can calm the wind. If Jesus tells the waves to stop, then you can tell the waves to stop. And what's more, it says that he will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. So Jesus says, you can do what I do, and you can do even more than that. That's the power and authority we have. We can have peace. We can tell the enemy to stop when he comes against us. We can lay our head down on the pillow at night, even though the world is the mess it is, and know it's okay. God's got me. It's okay. That's abundant life, amen? That's abundant life. We have the power and authority. And then we went on to look at Mark chapter 5, and do you remember the poor man in the tombs, living in the tombs? bit wild, you know, shackled, chained, talking to himself all the time, remember cutting himself. And we, we saw how when Jesus came across to his area, when the man came to Jesus, we said straight away, Jesus dealt with the situation. Did you read the rest of that actually? Did you do your homework? I told you to read the rest of that passage, remember? Who did your homework? And uh, they don't follow rules either, Enda. <laughs> <laughs> but you know we saw where Jesus cast a demon out of this man and we said we honed in on the fact that Jesus acted straight away why Jesus saw a child of God a creation of God not living the abundant life and he was putting an end to that straight away why because God has a plan for this man he had a plan for that man and he has a plan for you amen and his plan for you and for me is not for us just to merely exist it's for us to live the abundant life and as we said last week, you may not be like the man in the tombs. You may not be mad. <laughs> Amen. You may not have the physical shackles and chains. But you know, in this world, there are invisible shackles and chains. 
And there are strongholds that we can take on in our lives. Strongholds in the form, do you remember last week we said maybe drugs are holding you back or alcohol or pornography or maybe you deal with depression on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe your mind is full of anxiety. They're all strongholds and they are chains and they are shackles and they will keep you from living the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. They will hold you back. They will keep you down. And they are not from God, amen. If something is keeping you shackled, if something is keeping you chained, if something is keeping you down, it is not from God. If you are in prison over something in your life, that is not from God. You need to use your power and authority to get rid of it, amen. You need to say no more. The man in the tombs ran to Jesus when he saw Jesus coming. He ran to the light. He ran to life, amen, because he had had enough. And you need to say, no more. I am coming out of these bondages. Jesus didn't come to imprison us. Jesus came to release us. So if you're in prison today, it's not from God, amen. He's in the business of releasing. He just wants to release people from their bondages. We see it all through the Gospels. Release, 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 release. That's all Jesus did. Release, release, release. He never bound anyone up. He never imprisoned them. Amen. He just released them from their bondages. God came to give us life and life more abundantly. Okay. So I just want to share a few more thoughts today. Okay. Good lot. Is it okay if we do a few more? Okay, we good? All right. So the world, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how the world keeps giving us more. Doesn't it? In fairness, it does. The world is very negative out there, but it does keep giving us more, more advancements, things move on, you know, more, more ways to do stuff, more ways to get stuff, you know, more ways to do things. You know, you've only to look at an old movie or a TV show and you see how far the world has advanced since that time, you know, and like James Bond, for instance, the gadgets that James Bond has had years ago are nothing compared to the gadgets that James Bond has today. <laughs> when you go watch a James Bond movie now, wow, your mind will be blown. <laughs> Praise God. Technology is amazing and the world keeps giving us technology more and more. Computers, phones, microwaves, the World Wide Web. We can check anything in a second now. You know, our flat screen TVs, our 100 inch TV screens for our living rooms. It's all more and more of advancement, eh? more, more and more advancement, advancement. And when I thought about this, I thought, the world is giving us more and more advancements all the time. But you know what? We've actually grown to expect it. We expect it now. Easier, quicker ways to get stuff. Easier, quicker ways to, to pay for stuff. I tell you, how many times a week does the, the guy come to deliver parcels for Emma Long? I, he just even knows her now, I think, at this stage. I have never seen somebody able to buy clothes so fast. Amen. She keeps coming with new stuff. What do you think this, Mom? What do you this, Mom? I'm like, wow. But easier and faster, easier and faster. And that's the way the world has provided that service for Emma. And she avails of it, amen. But it's provided that service for her. Everything is at our fingertips now. And we expect everything at our fingertips. And we want everything at our fingertips. You know? And what happens is we get upset when it's not at our fingertips. I mean, last Christmas, for example, you may remember the PlayStation 5 came out. Everybody wanted to have the PlayStation 5. This was the thing to get last Christmas. But then, allegedly, due to COVID, Sony couldn't meet Santa Claus's demands, and 
you know, a lot of people didn't get the PlayStation 5 last year for Christmas. A lot of kids were disappointed. A lot of adults were disappointed. People were disappointed. Amen. We weren't happy. We weren't happy. There was something that we wanted that we couldn't have. And this was a shock to our system. Why? Because we expect bigger. We expect better. We expect faster. We expect more. We want better. We want faster. We want more. We want better lives. Amen. We want easier lives. But we don't have to look to the world for bigger and better and faster and easier. Amen. We just need to look to Jesus. We just need to look to Jesus. And I'm not saying it's not bad. It's not bad to have a nice big television screen in your sitting room, amen? We love to watch telly. It's not bad. It's not bad to drive a nice car. It's not bad to look, live in a nice house. That's okay. But that can't be where your confidence is, amen? That can't be that and that's where your comfort is and you're satisfied, amen? We need to look for Jesus because Jesus said, I came to give you bigger. I came to give you better. I came to give you more. I came to give you easier, amen? Jesus came before the world to do all that, amen? Before the world began, God wanted to give us more. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's annoying. It's a little bit annoying, isn't it? That we want bigger and we want better from the world and we expect bigger and better from the world but then we only expect mediocre from God sure there's something wrong there isn't there that's not right that's not right amen if we expect more from the world than we expect from God he's the creator of the universe amen he's the creator of the universe he's bigger than the world he's better than the world he's the alpha and the omega he's the beginning from the end he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning amen there is nobody and nothing in this world except God that knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end amen so we need to look to God because he wants the best for his little children. It's okay to be like a little child going to God, amen, because you are his little child. You may be like Lorraine, old now, 41, but you know what? You're still his little child, amen. You're still his little child and he wants the best for you. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Enda and I are walking examples of that, aren't we? Like we, the home we live in, we should not be living in, amen? And and I have always worked, always worked. We've never not worked. We both come from families that works. We've always worked, but we've never had huge wages. It's just whatever jobs we got, we never had huge wages. But yet we live in a lovely home. We have everything we need in that home. We're comfortable, amen? We're snug, we're safe because we put God first. We made a decision some years back that we were going to put God first. And as told you before, the plaque in the hall, it was the very first thing we bought for our new house. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And when you put God first, he adds everything you need. And if you look at that Matthew 6.33 in the Passion Translation, it says, So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these less important things will be given to you abundantly abundantly we cannot get away from that word abundant amen it's there all the time jesus has everything we need and he came to give us everything we need we just need to press in remember we talked last week about staying close press into god amen spend time in his word come in close to him james 4 verse 8 says draw near to god and he will draw near to you you know, in the natural, when you're out and it starts to rain, you put up the umbrella to keep you dry, don't you? 
But if you step out from under that umbrella, you're going to get wet. Amen? You're going to get wet. Now, with us, it's a different story. Enda and I just work. We just work. It's just our, our way. We click. We've always clicked. We just gel. Everything works, you know, except being under an umbrella. That's right, isn't it? Really? Number one, I have to carry the umbrella because it's not manly, apparently, to carry an umbrella. Okay, right? So then it starts to rain and I put up the umbrella. But the problem with that is, you see, <laughs> the end is taller than me, you know? So I can keep the umbrella over myself, but if I have to, if Enda scoots in under, well, then I'm up like this with the umbrella. And you see, that doesn't work for me, <laughs> amen? Because then he, the umbrella's up there and I'm getting wet. So then, you know, it's really raining, so, he, you know, he'll get over his manliness and he'll say, okay, let me hold it. So then he's trying to hold it down over me and it's taking the head off him, you know? So it just doesn't work, amen? And we can't see where we're going because it's usually down here in front. So we usually abandon the umbrella. But it's not like that with God, amen? When you draw close to God, yes, he brings you under his umbrella, but you're never too tall or you're never too small or you're never the wrong fit for God's umbrella, amen? And when you come under God's umbrella, he will keep you dry, amen? He will keep you safe. He will provide everything that you need. When we draw close to God, we're protected. We're taken care of. When we draw close to God, we learn. You know, and we, we gain wisdom and knowledge of how to deal with situations and problems then when they occur. Amen. We draw close to God and we live the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. You look at the disciples, they drew close to God and they stayed there. <laughs> Amen. When that storm threatened their lives and their boat, they were, Jesus, Jesus, we need you. You know, the man in the tombs, when he saw Jesus coming, as we said earlier, he went straight away. And his life was completely turned around. But I have come, Jesus says, to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Don't you want to overflow? Because when you overflow, you can help other people. When you overflow, you're attractive to other people. Amen. Don't live life merely existing. God has so much more for you. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you, and it's not just to drag yourself through, through your day. It's not just to merely exist. It's to live, it's to thrive, it's to abound. But you have a choice to make this morning. You have a choice to make. Are you going to continue to trudge through this life? Trudge, you know that word trudge? Just drag yourself through life? I thought it was just a Shannon word, but it actually worked when I went to type it in. Trudge through life. Are you just going to trudge and drag yourself through life? Are you going to lean into God and allow him to bless you and give you this abundant life? I want to just go over to Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he, Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Okay, so Jesus is walking along the road with his disciples, great multitude around as always, wherever you see Jesus, there's going to be a great crowd, amen. And sitting on the side of the road is this man called Bartimaeus, and he's blind. And he's sitting on the side of the road, and the reason he's sitting on the side of the road is he's begging. And the reason he's begging is he has no money. And the reason he has no money is he can't work. And the reason he can't work is he's blind. He's blind. So he has to sit on the side of the road and beg for money to keep him alive, basically. Not exactly the abundant life, amen? 
Verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now you see, Bartimaeus has this, right? He's sitting on the side of the road. He can't see what's happening, but he hears a commotion coming towards him. So he inquires, what's the story here? So they inform him, Jesus is coming. Like that, he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you see, I love this because he's saying, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. Jesus, son of David. It's like he identified Jesus' messiahship here. It's like he's saying, Jesus, Messiah, have mercy on me. He recognized that Jesus was coming and he knew who Jesus was and he knew what Jesus could do for him. Verse 48, then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine the scene? He shouts out, son of David, have mercy on me. They're all telling him, shh, shh. You know all the do-gooders? Shh, shh, be quiet, be quiet. You're just a little beggar man, be quiet. You know, maybe some of them even threw in a coin just to keep him quiet, we don't know. Shh, shh. But he cries out all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, he knows what Jesus can do for him. Amen, he knows what Jesus can do for him. And he's not going to back down, amen? He's not going to back down. Many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. They warned him, be quiet, be quiet. But you see, this was Bartimaeus' day, amen? This was Bartimaeus' day. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. That was her day, you remember? She shouldn't have been out in the crowd and she crawled on her hands and knees to touch only even the hem of Jesus' garment and she received her healing. She was not been stopped, amen? That was her day. And Bartimaeus is the same. This is his day. And you know, when you, when you press into God, I guarantee you, when you make a decision and a choice to press into God and the things of God, people will come against you and things will come against you. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will throw everything he can at you to stop you seeking after God, to stop you pressing into God. What do you want to do all that churchy stuff for? Come on, I'm having a party on Sunday morning. Come on, we need to do this on Sunday morning. They'll do everything they can to keep you out of church. Or the other one is, do you think you're good enough to ask God for stuff? Do you think you're good enough to go to God? Do you think you're good enough to go to church? Amen. Don't let anybody stop you, amen, from doing what you should do. Don't let anyone stop you from pressing in and getting closer to God. When you need, when you want to press in, you need to press in, but you may have to get a little louder. We sang it this morning. I thought that was very appropriate this morning. Sing a little louder, amen. You might need to sing a little louder. Sing a little louder, amen? Sing a little louder. Raise a hallelujah a little louder. You might need to do that. And it's not that Jesus doesn't hear you. Jesus hears you, but you need to drown out the voices. You gotta get a bit louder to drown out the voices. You gotta get a bit louder to drown out the negative thoughts. You gotta get a bit louder to drown out the the discouraging thoughts that are telling you, no, you're not good enough. What are you bothering about church for? You need to drown out. You need to sing a little louder, amen? You need to sing a little louder and stop those voices distracting you. Jesus heard Bartimaeus the first time he called. It's Jesus, guys. He's the son of God. He heard nothing wrong with Jesus' hearing. He heard Bartimaeus that first time he called out. 
but because they tried to quieten him, Bartimaeus was like, no way. This was my, this is my day. I am determined to get to Jesus. He was letting nothing get in his way of getting to Jesus. Amen. His sight, his healing, his future was right here and he wasn't going to miss out on it. You need to walk your walk. Amen. Don't worry about anybody else. You walk your walk. Amen. You fulfill your purpose that you have in your life. You seek out your own relationship with God. Don't depend on your parents' relationship with God. Don't depend on your spouse's relationship with God or your grandparents' relationship. You have your own relationship with God. Amen. Verse 49, so Jesus stood still. I love this. Jesus is the boss, amen? Sorry, Kieran, Jesus is the boss. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man saying to him, in this cast, they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. He is calling you. This amuses me. These people that were trying to keep him quiet, shh, who do you think you are? Where now Jesus was calling them and they're like, oh, come on, come back to me, be of good cheer, come on, he's calling you. Amen. People are fickle, amen. People are fickle. But that's just a little side note. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Jesus stood still. This is amazing, amen. Jesus heard faith. When Bartimaeus cried out, son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus heard faith and he stood still. When you call on him, he will stand still. Amen. He will stand still and listen to you. He will stand still and see what you need him for. Amen. Jesus stood still. He heard faith and he took notice. When you call on Jesus, he takes notice. When he sees your faith, he acts on it. Verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus calls him, right? And throwing aside his garment, he came to Jesus. Jesus called him, and throwing aside his garment, he came to Jesus. And throwing aside his garment, he came to Jesus. Do you get it? Jesus called him. Even before he stood up, he threw aside his garment, and he came to Jesus. He threw aside his begging garment. Amen. He wasn't going to need that anymore. Amen. He wasn't going to need that anymore. Even before he stood up, says he threw away his garment and arose. He threw away his garment. He was leaving this mere existence of a life aside. And he was ready to embrace all that Jesus came to give him. Amen. You need to throw aside the garment. You don't need it anymore. You don't need it anymore. Amen. You can have an abundant life. He threw aside the begging garment and he was ready for the life that Jesus came to give him. Verse 53, so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbani, that I may receive my sight. Okay, see, my great one, my master, my teacher, I want to see, I want a better life. I want what you came to give me. It must be music to Jesus' ears when we go to him and say, Lord, I want what you came to give me. Amen. I'd say he does a little hooli up in heaven. Amen. I want what you came to give me. Like Jesus is saying, yes, yes, finally they've got it. Verse 50, 51, 52, then Jesus said to him, oh yeah, then 52, sorry, did I say 53 earlier? Sorry about that, 52. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Again, Jesus doesn't delay, amen? Immediately he received his sight. No, not another child just merely existing here, Jesus is thinking, we're not having this anymore, <laughs> you know? 
We're not having this anymore. Just like the man living in the tombs, Bartimaeus' life was turned around, amen? A life of just merely existing was turned around. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He followed Jesus on the road while he wanted to be close to him, amen? He wanted to be with Jesus. But did you notice that in verse 46, before we finish, in verse 46, it says that he sat by the road. The blind man, blind Bartimaeus, sat by the road. But then Bartimaeus, in verse 42, follows Jesus on the road. So he was sitting by the side of the road, but now he's following Jesus on the road. Amen. We don't know how long he'd been sitting on the side of the road. Could have been years and years. We don't know how long this man was blind. We don't know how long he was poor. But he had sat for whatever length of time of his life on the side of the road begging, relying on people's goodness, relying on somebody being in a good humor that walked by to throw a coin into the, the cup or whatever it was that he had, relying on people being thoughtful that day so that he could eat. You can stay on the side of the road if you want. That's your choice today. You can stay on the side of the road or you can get on the road, amen? You can stay on the sidelines. You can stay on the sidelines. You can pin your hopes on the drugs and the alcohol and the pornography or the depression, whatever it is that you pin your hopes on, amen? Or you can get out on the field. You can sit on the sidelines and hope the ball will roll out your way at some stage. Or you can get out there on the field and live the life that God came to give you, amen? Scoring goals for him. You know, I don't like sports, I'm not into sports, don't know a huge amount of sports, but I do know that in a match you have to be on the field to play, amen? And you know, every team, ha to every team member, you know, has a different position. You know, maybe they're forwards or they're backs, defenders, or they're midfield, or they're the goalies or whatever, but they have a position in the field. And if they want to play the game, they need to be in their position on the field, amen? You too have a position in life. You have a position on the field. Maybe you're a full forward. Maybe you're a defender. Maybe you need to protect the goal. Maybe you're a midfielder. Who knows? But you have a place on the field. You have a position on the field. And it's only when you're in your position on that field can you fulfill all that God has for you. You have to be in position, amen? You can't, you cannot play your position from the sidelines. These great footballers, whoever, I know Tottenham Hotspur players, they're the best, aren't they? You know, if they all stayed on the sideline, Tottenham Hotspurs would never win, would they? And they always win, don't they? But, you know, if their players are on the sidelines, they're in trouble, amen? Are you gonna take up your position? Are you going to sit on the sidelines? Or are you going to get out there in the field? Are you going to sit on the side of the road? Or are you going to follow Jesus on the road? You're at your best when you're doing what God's called you to do, amen? You're at your best. You're at your best when you're living the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. You're the most attractive when you're doing that. You are the best witness that you can be when you're living the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. You're the best witness that you can be you remember the man in the tombs, he wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, 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 stay. And it's not that Jesus didn't want him to come along with him, of course he did, but that man had a job to do. He said, you need to go and tell everybody what I've done. And the Bible says he did, and they all marveled. And there was a crowd in that area the next time Jesus came around. You see, you have a job to do. You need to draw close to God and find out what that job is, amen? 
But first of all, you need to begin to live the abundant life. You have a protector. You have a healer. You have a provider. And when you're close to him, you're safe. Amen. You're safe. Your needs will be met. You'll be healthy and well. Draw close to him and allow him to fill you with that peace that surpasses all understanding. Allow him to fill you with joy. Amen. Allow him to heal you and restore you. Stand up to the enemy. Amen. Stand up to the enemy. Use that power and authority that he's given you. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He'll flee him and he's terrified of you. So use what you have. Use what you have against him. Amen. Your life will be such a great witness when you're living the abundant life. I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Amen.